Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. I crashed my father's sailboat one time. Have I told you about this before? Okay, Kelly knows about it. But. Yes, my dad, he really liked, he liked sailing. We, we, our family likes to sail, and he had saved for a long time. And it was sort of like a retirement thing, you know, to get a nice sailboat. And he got it, uh, he bought one uh, that was in Annapolis, Maryland. And we were going to have a maiden voyage to sail it down to his house, in, uh, to my parents' house in Heathsville, in the Northern Neck. So anyway, uh, uh, I went along with my brother, my younger brother, Andy, and uh, he and I accompanied my father, and we were going to sail it, spend the night, you know, because it's a two-day trip. We we're going to spend the night out on the boat and then come in. Anyway, in the course of that trip, I crashed his boat. When I say I crashed it, I mean I ran into a... Uh, pile and and um, the mast just came crashing down I mean words cannot adequately express the like depth of grief you know just I know it's not it's a thing it's a sailboat right but it's just seeing something that's so irreversible and seeing something that totally was not expected to happen just right before your eyes. And as it's happening, you're going, if only I would have veered left, you know, instead of veering right and trying to fight the current. I, anyway, it's painful, but it's this, this sucker punch. It's like a gut punch, you know, and you feel it in your, in your gut, this irreversible, uh, tragic circumstance. I mean, what we have in our lesson today from the book of Acts is, I mean, a billion times more than, than this, okay? I mean, my example is just a tiny little, little example, but I'm sure that you can relate to that, you know, like something, some news that you got or something that happened, something you've done. It could be something that you did where you made that turn and it just immediately you saw the repercussions of it and it, it hit you in your gut. It was painful. We see uh, these, these Jews who, are, who were calling for Christ's crucifixion. They were calling for him to be crucified. They, uh, they might have even thought that they were serving God by sending this man to his death to be crucified. If he wasn't the Messiah, then he was a blasphemer. So... They must have been serving God if they were sending him to the cross. Then that man who they crucified was raised from the dead. Turns out Jesus of Nazareth is God after all. He is the promised Messiah, the one that they were all looking forward to, that they just didn't believe he was the one, and he is. Peter said, let all the house of Israel, therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. These are Peter's words to them. And they were cut to the heart. Their heart was pierced with this news. 
is realizing that this terrible deed that they had perpetrated. And they were cut to the heart. And so then comes this sincere plea. Brothers, what shall we do? This was not a a question of how could they make amends? What work shall we do to overcome this sin that we've committed? (coughs) Excuse me. This is convenient. Thank you. It's not a question of how they could make amends. After all, um, what do you do to make atonement for murdering God? What, what is the, what's the work that you would do to make atonement for that? They're not asking that. They're not asking what work must we do. This was more of a cry of despair. Brothers, what hope could we now have? Knowing that we've crucified God. Now that we're beyond hope. Now that we're beyond hope, what shall we do? We're lost. It's a cry of despair. They're not actually asking, what, what shall we do? It's, it's, it is a cry of despair that they're saying this. And their cry of despair is actually a beautiful sight. It's a mark of true repentance. It's, it's the work of faith and faith alone that produces such repentance. And this cry of despair that they make is the very evidence of their faith. And demonstrates that they now see clearly that Jesus is the Christ. What they formerly denied, they now accept. Jesus is the Christ. This is the ultimate and the final goal of the law. And this is the very reason that the law is preached. It is to show fallen mankind their sin. We uh, fallen humans are so mired in sin that we can't even see our own guilt clearly. So we need the law to reveal it to us. Some people say that this text and some others like it are anti-Semitic because it lays the fault of the crucifixion at Jesus at the feet of the Jews. As though Christians run around saying, we hate the Jews because they crucified our Savior Jesus Christ. But... Christians don't talk that way. We don't look at it and say, oh, the Jews, they're the ones that crucified Christ. We're not to blame. No, we don't do that. It's quite the opposite. We put ourselves right there in the midst of all of those people who were saying, crucify him. That's where we belong. It's not where we belong, but that's where we should place ourselves if we're trying to find our way into this story Uh, into this account of the crucifixion. We see truly that we are just as guilty as each of them who put Jesus on the cross. And what Jesus did in suffering and dying on the cross was done for all the world. For each of you, he did this. And we share in this blame. Would any of you deny that you put Jesus on the cross? Have you lived a perfect and sinless life? Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever mistreated someone out of anger, jealousy, resentment, or for any reason? 
Or on the contrary, have you always and forever faithfully devoted yourself to nothing other than the will of God? In some ways, I would go so far as to say that the Jews who were there yelling, crucify him, are to be envied. That might sound shocking and strange, but the reason I say that is because the depth of their sin was so great, so horrific, and so apparent to them that they repented. The depth of their sin brought them to repentance. They actually saw the bottom of the barrel and they saw their need for redemption. I mean, to commit the most heinous and egregious sin and then be granted repentance in faith is a far better place, far better place than to commit just little sins throughout your lifetime for which you delude yourself into thinking that you don't require salvation. You know, kind of like, well, God grades on a curve, so I'm okay. I see how these other people are living, but I don't do that. Don't be fooled. God is perfect and God is holy. If we're going to be saved by our keeping of the law, his standards are absolute perfection. Just the smallest imperfection disqualified. Anything short of perfection means eternity in hell. So when we hear these words from Acts 2, brothers, what shall we do? It's not just because they crucified God. It's because they fell short. We all should say these same words. What shall we do? Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we all put Jesus on the cross, but we also share, all of us share, in the promise of eternal life that comes not from works of the law, but from the free gift of grace that is gift of faith, a faith which is given by God, not a faith that we muster up in ourselves, but a faith that God gives us through his means of word and sacrament. Repent, Peter says, and that's proclaimed to all people. Categorically, all people are sinners and must repent. Nobody escapes this. We all must repent. Be baptized, every one of you. Now, this is proclaimed to all people to be baptized. But notice that he says, every one of you, because baptism is something that the individual receives. And the promise is to the individual. And we live with that promise our whole life, constantly remembering, shaking our finger at Satan and saying, I'm baptized. That means that my sins have been washed away. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Why do we, are we baptized? For the forgiveness of your sins, Peter says. 
be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. I know I sound repetitive, but there are a lot of people who teach that baptism is some symbol, that there's nothing real in it. And Peter doesn't talk that way. He says, for the forgiveness of your sins. That's why you should be baptized. Yes, brothers and sisters, in your baptism, you have been forgiven of your sins. It's not merely a memorial event or a commemoration of Jesus Christ. No, baptism is a sacrament. It is a mystery in which God washes away your sins. You know, think of Paul uh, and uh, his, his confrontation on the road to Emmaus. You recall that he was blinded. And Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Because Paul was a persecutor of the church. And to persecute the church means to persecute Christ. And Paul, the blinded Paul, was sent to a man in a town whose name was Ananias. And he came to Ananias, and Ananias said to him, Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Again, what is it that we receive in baptism? Forgiveness, washing away of your sins. These are real words. This is the real action and activity of God in your baptism. The washing away of your sins. <clears throat> baptism actually does this. It's not merely a symbol. Just as, just as we come to this altar and you receive the true body and the true blood of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins... In your baptism, you receive the true washing away of your sins. You have received the true washing away and forgiveness of sin. There's even more, which Peter goes on to say. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow, in the sacrament of baptism, our sins are washed away, and we receive the Holy Spirit? Yes. That's exactly what Peter is saying. How can these things be? How can these things be? Well, the same God who spoke the world into existence, let there be light, and there was light, wields that power of forgiveness, and he has given and appointed means by which he does this. We don't confess that that it's just some simple magic wand thing that wields the power. No, no, no. It's the power of God's word. When God says your sins are forgiven, that's the final word. Whatever sins you have committed or no matter how treacherous or how vile and contemptible or on the other hand, no matter how seemingly innocent your sins are, but just as I said, every bit as damnable as the worst sin you could commit. No matter what they are, they are, in your baptism, washed away as far as the east from the west. Have you ever measured how far the east is from the west? It's a trick question. <laughs> it's just, east goes that way and what? I'm, I think I have it reversed. East goes, goes that way and west goes that way and they don't meet. 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what Paul says to the Romans. But in Christ Jesus, you have forgiveness. There is no amount of works that you could perform to earn salvation. It is a gift from God. Final point I want to make here is that Peter exhorted his brothers to be, be saved from this crooked generation. What does that mean, this crooked generation? Well, the crooked generation is the one who does not see that Jesus is the Christ. Just as our lessons the last couple weeks have pointed to, that it's this, not this, this seeing that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life in his name. Well, the crooked generation is the one that doesn't see that. They don't see that Jesus is the Christ. The crooked generation is the one that labors in vain for forgiveness. Sometimes, sometimes even thinking that they're keeping the law of God when in fact they're opposed to God's law. Hypocrites. But that's the crooked generation. They they think that their keeping of the law somehow is earning them merit. Peter says, no, you must repent and receive the free gift of God's grace for the sake of Christ. Believe that Jesus is the Christ and you will be saved. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.